Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 10 of The List. Well, technically episode 10, but episode 9 for everybody, for what you guys will hear. As always, my name is Brett. On the other end of the tin cannon string is Jordan. Jordan, how are you doing today? Uh, it's crazy to think that we're already 10 episodes into this thing. It's been a lot of fun, um, and I'm excited to make some more picks today. Yep. And, of course, as always, we have Zach Jackson producing this show. And as Jordan said, we are going to be getting into our picks in a little bit. But first, we do have a couple questions from Finn Heaven to go over. Uh, Jordan, one I didn't list, one that we get every week. Are we going to be on Apple Pod, Apple Music, or iTunes? The answer is we officially, and why we, I mean you, figured out the issue, and we are on iTunes now officially. Yeah, so I think um, we've pretty much gotten ourselves into every outlet that people view podcasts right now or listen to podcasts um so wherever you're listening to us from we thank you and we're glad for those that were pushing for us to be on apple you're welcome absolutely and bigger and better things are on the way trust me when i say that um but another question one that i'm kind of tired of talking about because i i think we're all tired of talking about liam eichenberg one of the questions we got was why does Ike keep getting chances? Um, Jordan, I don't know about you, but I think it's this simple. He's under contract for another year. He's one of two offensive linemen right now we have under contract going into next year. He's young and he's cheap. I think he got the chance at center just to see if we can salvage him. I think it's that simple. Yeah, I don't think uh, we need to dig that much further into him struggling. I think the title of our last episode, and I think what we said on our last episode, um, kind of covered it, but I think from what you said, it's he's a high draft pick, and I guess you hope that going into another season, um, in the same system, he'll take a step forward. But he just hasn't to this point. I, uh, if he makes it through the year, um, I, he's not getting another contract from us. Um, then again, I said that about Jesse Davis, so I hope I'm right this time. I don't, I don't see him uh, making it to his next contract. No, he might even get cut next year. I think, especially with Robert Jones uh, being out, it just leaves him and Lester Cotton. Um, Robert Jones did just return to practice today, so hopefully we'll be seeing him soon if need be. Um, but that's, I think that's just a simple one. I don't think it's anything. I don't think it's stubbornness. I don't think anything. I think it's, think it's trying to see what we have there. Um, second question we had is based off of X's comments. Do we think there's tension between X and Fangio? I'm guessing this question was in reference to uh, Xavier Howard saying after the game that he thinks he should have been shadowing Stefan Diggs on Sunday. I don't think there's tension. I just think you listen to anybody who talked to the media after the game and over the last couple of days. I just think so many people on the team are frustrated. I think a lot of the veterans and leaders felt that the preparation wasn't where it needed to be. And it was just letting frustration out. Uh, less than what we said on Monday's show, it was just one of those games where whatever could go wrong did go wrong. So I just think they would just—they're just all ready to move on. I don't think. Uh, once again, I think it's a pretty, pretty shallow answer there. Pretty easy. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that this was frustration. Um, this wasn't necessarily um, X taking a shot at Fangio or taking a shot at the Dolphins. Um, I think he, like a lot of guys in the facility were uh, this week, was was frustrated. Um, and they're looking forward to being able to take it out on somebody, uh, hopefully starting this week against the Giants. 
Um, and I think this this is going to be a little bit of an issue um, until we get to the point where we can play against somebody. So it'll be an issue for three or four more days, and then we'll uh, we'll get ready to play. Absolutely, and yeah, I, and we'll get into this more as the as the, the podcast goes on and we preview the Giants game. But I am definitely looking forward to this one. I mean, the final one, this is one that I think you were excited to answer. Um, and I'll let you go first with this one. If you could redo one Dolphins pick for any Dolphins team, what would it be? Yeah, I think uh, there are two. Um, one is more of a trade that I would go back on, and it's more recent. Um, the other is a draft pick, which is in the last um, couple decades or so. Um, the trade... Um, <laughs> If anybody can't hear, one of our producers got drunk today, and he is passed out snoring in the background. Oh, I can't! I can't stop laughing. Oh, that's funny as shit. Yeah. <laughs> Let, let's just sit here for a second um, and understand yeah. that if you hear snoring in the background, um, that's a that's a grown man. Um, the, <laughs> the, the the trade I'm referencing um, is the Bradley Chubb trade. Um, I know it's recent. I like Bradley Chubb, um, but I think that not doing that trade would have opened up so many different avenues for the Dolphins. Um, I think it would have made it easier to acquire a guy like Jonathan Taylor. Um, I think it would have been easier to acquire mm-hmm. linebacker help. Uh, you see Roquan Smith went um, for a little less. I believe it was right after the Chubb deal. Um, so I, I would uh, I would go back on the Chubb deal. Um, because then you get a Wilkins extension, a Jonathan Taylor trade, and a possibility for a Roquan Smith um, type player. The draft pick, uh, you go back um, and look. And I remember being a child watching it at the draft at my parents' house. And the Dolphins are supposed to pick a little later than they ended up picking. Um, I'm talking about the saga where we traded up in the 2013 NFL draft and took Deion Jordan. Um, I would have w- probably moved up as well um, and done um, what the Dolphins had done, but I would have taken Lane Johnson. Um, I would have loved to see what the Dolphins would have looked like um, had we taken Lane Johnson, had we just put him at right tackle. Who knows, he could still be playing right tackle for the Miami Dolphins today. Um, and Deion Jordan is, is definitely the one um, that I'd go back and change. Yeah, and... Go along kind of with Jordan. The first thing I thought of is I would have gone back and drafted TJ Watt instead of Charles Harris. Uh, but the more I thought about what we were talking, I'm going to change my answer a bit. And it's going to be the same player, but two different scenarios. Back in 2001, we had Jay Fiedler as our starting quarterback. Okay, but it was never a superstar. And we are projected to take Drew Brees. We took... Jamar Fletcher, who's a corner out of Wisconsin, while we already had two all-pro corners in Patrick Sertan and Sam Madison. And back then, for our younger audience, it wasn't like it is now where you're using dimes and quarters all the time and you have more than, and your base set is basically defensive backs. This is, you are mostly in a three-linebacker set, like if you're in a 4-3 or a uh, four-linebacker set in a 3-4. So it was very, very stupid to use a prime pick on a nickel corner who was his own corner and didn't fit our bump and run scheme back then. 
But to go on that, too, a couple years later, we have Nick Saban as our coach. His first year, we finished strong, missed the playoffs, but we had Gus Barat as our quarterback. Drew Brees is a free agent. And everybody knows he wants to sign with us, but our medical team wouldn't pass his shoulder. And Saban went with them, and we traded a second-round pick for Dante Culpepper. And Culpepper, I don't even think it made it four games before his knee started flaring up, and then we went to Joey Harrington for a majority of the rest of the year. And we all know what Drew Brees did. So my answer is the same guy twice, and that is Drew Brees. Yeah, I mean... Now you just brought my PTSD back, and um, I have to think about that. And I also now feel very old. That was 2001? The draft, yes. I believe oh. so. It might have been two th- Yeah, I was just a kid. It, it was either 2000 or two. I'm pretty sure it was 2001. Let me double check that. Yeah, I'm looking. 2001, you were correct. It, Crushed it. Yeah, because it, it was either that or Chad Johnson for us. And Chad Johnson was begging us to draft him. And we took Jamar Fletcher, who admittedly was really good in college, was actually one of the top 100 college players of all time at one point per a list that was created, but didn't really fit for us. But we're not here to relive bad Dolphin moments today. It is now time for our picks. And just to update, I am, uh, per our stat team, I am 10 and 10 in college. 13 and 7 in the NFL picks, 23 and 17 overall. Jordan, you're at 13 and 7 in college, 11 and 9 in the NFL, 24 and 16 overall. So we are very close right now in our picks. Um, by, uh, by, our, by our stats team that made the stats, do you mean the drunk guy that's sleeping right now? Yes, that's what I mean. <laughs> and I hope, I hope that as the week goes on, without telling him that this is happening, we can have our social media team cut up a clip of me laughing and you explaining the situation and get it out yeah. on our social media. Nope, I do agree with that. Anyway, on to the picks as we continue to laugh and before he starts really getting obnoxious. Um, <laughs> first, game of, first game to go over, it's a team we've talked about a lot, a player we've talked about a lot. Texas versus Oklahoma, big rivalry game, the Red River shootout. Neutral site, I believe it's at the Cotton Bowl. Noon game. Very curious to see how it goes. Is Oklahoma's had a very good second year under since the coaching change. Excuse me. And Dylan Gabriel has 19 total touchdowns. Uh, we've talked about Quinn Ewers so much. We've talked about Xavier Worthy so much for Texas. Very interested to see where they go. It's two very high-powered offenses. Um, it's always going to be a tough game, and it always seems like these games end crazy at the at the last second. I have Texas winning this game. I just think they have something about them this year. I think Oklahoma is still trying to build up, rebuild their uh, personality and their and their defense too as well. Uh, Dylan Gabriel having a really good year. It feels like he's been in college for 10 years now. So I was surprised to see he's still starting for them. But yeah, I'm going with Quinn Ewers in Texas. That's a great pick. Um, I'm still sitting here as I'm talking undecided about which way I'm going to go. Um, I think six and a half points is too much for this game. Um, but it, it makes sense being Texas beat Alabama. Um, I think a lot of the money is going to be on Texas. Um, I think Oklahoma has a better chance than people think. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, former UCF quarterback, um, is is a stud. 
Um, we definitely miss him in Orlando, um, but he's he's doing great things at Oklahoma. Um, and Venables always has a tough defense. I think that Oklahoma is going to come into this game very, very sick of hearing all the Texas talk. I think Texas is going to be able to score, um, but I think that Oklahoma is going to be able to keep the game close and make some stops. I think their speed is underrated. Um, I think that Texas is going to win the game, but Oklahoma is going to cover. Yeah. Yeah, I think I said I think I said a three point win. I think it's gonna go right down to the last second. Um and like I said, it always does, but I do agree. I just think this is Texas's year. And if it's not if they can't do it this year, it's gonna be a little bit, I think, before they, they get back to this opportunity. Um what I'm curious about, and I I'm still going back and forth looking at it, and it's a team you picked on a wild card a few weeks ago, and it's LSU versus Missouri. Um LSU, I, I left on Saturday night to go get some drinks with friends, and LSU had just taken lead against Ole Miss. I thought they were, uh, I thought they were shooing to win. I was shocked to see they ended up losing. Um, Missouri has Brady Cook with eleven passing touchdowns, um, and then his top target is Luther Burden the third with five receiving touchdowns, six hundred forty-four yards. Their defense seems to be doing well. Has thirteen sacks this year so far. Uh, the question is: Is Missouri real? I I'll be honest. I haven't paid too much attention to them, but it, they did get that tough win against Kansas State. Uh, what was it? A sixty-yard field goal at the end of the game to win it. Sixty-one. Sixty-one. Yeah, I knew. It, I thought it was over sixty. Um, I am going back and forth still, but tentatively. I think LSU rebounds, and I just think it's a situation where they just have too much talent on the outside, and I think Missouri still defense like they have. I think they're well coached, especially defensively, but I still think they are a year away from competing with LSU. Yeah, I think that this is um, a spot where Missouri um, really is going to be facing a bigger test. Um, than they've faced in the past. Um, I think that this is going to be a tougher game for them than uh, the Kansas State game was. Um, I have picked against LSU a couple weeks in a row. Um, I was wrong once. I was right once. Well, I was right twice um, and wrong once. Um, but taking the picks aside, uh, Missouri is a team – that I caught a lot of flack for supporting a couple weeks ago um, in Missouri, uh, proved people wrong before. Uh, and I think that this is a, another statement win for Missouri. I think they have more on the line than LSU does. And I think LSU's already lost a couple games where the other team has more on the line. I don't think going to three and three kills LSU because this is a lost season anyways. Um, and I'm oh. going to pick, I'm going to pick Missouri to win this game um, by a score. All righty. Yeah, like I said, just looking at that, some uh, that's just one of those games which, like LSU, has just been fun. the two games they've lost. It feels like they've found ways to lose. Um, one another one that I'm kind of struggling with is Alabama versus Texas A&M. Uh, it always feels like whoever the coach for Texas A&M is, they're always coaching for their job. And Jimbo Fisher this year doesn't seem to be any exception. They're off to a decent start. Um, it does seem like they have some quarterback issues because based off what I'm seeing, it looks like Connor Wegman and Max Johnson kind of split time. Um, 
And they really go through two receivers, Noah Thomas and Evan Stewart, who have eight receiving touchdowns between them. It looks like Bama kind of figured stuff out last week. Now, is that Bama figuring it out, or is it Mississippi State just disappointing? Um, I'm actually going with Aggies on a walk-off win. They are 3-12 and all-time versus Bama, but the last time the game was at Kyle Field. Aggies won on the last second field goal. I have no rhyme or reason for this, other than this being a very tough environment. The 12th man, as they call it, College Station. But I think they prevail, and Aggies win once again on a, on a last-second field goal. So last week, you picked against Alabama, and I told you that this was a game where Alabama was going to come back and start making a statement. Um, I think yeah. Alabama turned the corner a little bit last week, and I think they're going to go to College Station and beat Texas A&M. Uh, Texas A&M, 4-1, Alabama, 4-1. and um, But the difference is Texas A&M, uh, outside of the Miami game where they kind of let it slip away, um, has been a, a very solid football team. I think that – Alabama has more to prove. Um, and I think that if this Alabama team um, is going to make a play for the po- for the playoff, um, they obviously have to go to the SEC championship game, possibly win it. And this is one of the tougher games on their schedule. Uh, if they get through this game, uh, they have Arkansas at home, Tennessee at home, LSU at home. They go to Kentucky, and then they play Chattanooga, and then obviously at Auburn. Um, but this goes to a stretch of three straight home games for Alabama. Um, And I think that this is a game they win. Um, This is a a game they're going to go into focused. And I think Alabama wins by double digits. Yeah, Yeah, it's probably going to be like that, but it just feels like if there's going to be an upset, it's going to be that. Well, if the Aggies are going to win, it's going to be this one because it is in College Station. Uh, game four, before we go to our wild card, I have Notre Dame at Louisville. We have talked Notre Dame a lot. L- they had a tough win against Duke in a fairly tough environment. Um, I was actually surprised how rabid that crowd was last week, and you're not used to seeing that with Duke. Um, still have Hartman in, in the Heisman conversation, still having a great year. And Notre Dame's defense, and especially that run game, are going to be tough for anybody. Louisville seems to have come out of nowhere and have become good. They got the prodigal son back and Jeff Brom as head coach. For those who don't know him and his brother, who I believe the offensive coordinator, were both starting quarterbacks for Louisville in college. And they've really brought a toughness and a pride to Louisville that they've been missing. Uh, Jake, Jack Plummer has 11 TDs and six interceptions. I believe he came from, from Purdue with the Brahms. to. He did. Play at Louisville. Okay, yeah, I thought so. And then you have a six rushing touchdown running back in Noir Jordan and Jamari thrashed uh, with five receiving touchdowns. Notre Dame's by far the best team Louisville has played. It is in Louisville, and I am going with the Magic. Uh, Louisville just feels like one of those teams where they're catching teams at the right time. Notre Dame is still good, but they've had a couple tough games in terms of the, the last two weeks. And I think Louisville just catches them because it's just been a gauntlet. And Notre Dame has some tough games coming up that they may be looking ahead to. So I'm actually picking Louisville. That's interesting. I watched Louisville last week. Um, they played at NC State at night. Uh, I think it was a fr- either a Thursday or Friday night. I know it was one of the two. I just don't remember which it was. 
Um, all the days when you're doing this stuff just seem to become the same. Um, but I came away not as impressed with Louisville as I thought I would uh, going in. Um, I don't think Plummer Plummer made a lot of dumb decisions. I think Brom is a great coach, um, but I think that Notre Dame um, t- took that loss to Ohio State personally. Um, although they didn't score much against Duke, um, that was a, a different team. They came in with a different toughness uh, and a, a little bit of a – the end of the Ohio State game was a wake-up call for that team. I gave them a lot of shit. I picked Duke last week. I said I loved Duke last week. Um, it was almost proven right. Um, but I'm going to pick Notre Dame to go on the road and win this game at Louisville. Uh, I think that that USC-Notre Dame game next week, uh, I think that I'm going to take USC preview for when we do pick it. Um, I would be very surprised if I picked Notre Dame. Um, but I think this is a game that if Notre Dame wants to keep their season alive going into next week, they're going to see that they need to win. Uh, Notre Dame feels like they need to win out. Winning out would mean beating USC and winning at Clemson. Um, I'm not sure that gets them up into the playoff. Uh, but in order to even have a conversation, they need to win at Louisville. If they lose to Louisville, I think there's a chance they lose by a couple scores to USC. And if they lose those two games, I wouldn't be surprised if they lose at Clemson. So this is going to be um, a make-or-break game for Notre Dame, and I think it's a game they win. And going into our wild card pick, uh, Jordan, I've been thinking there's two games. Wait, 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 wait. I'm out. I'm out. You are not allowed to do the same shit you do every week where you take a team minus a thousand and talk it up like it's a good game. Make an actual bold well, selection, pick a real team, and let's hear it. Yeah, what I was going to say is there's two matchups that are undefeated teams going against each other that have big lines. And I honestly think was going back and forth because I do think one of the underdogs in those two games are going to end up winning. Now, those two games, of course, are Maryland versus Ohio State and Georgia versus Kentucky. And I was going back and forth because I really do feel one of the underdogs is going to win those games. And I am actually going to pick the Kentucky Wildcats to go to Athens and upset the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, The reason for it, one, yeah, Ray Davis is coming off of an insane game. He has 594 rushing yards, uh, total. He has 11 total touchdowns, eight rushing. He had almost 300 yards against Florida in the first half. Um, and even looking at Georgia, yes, they've been winning, but they are so one-dimensional offensively compared to past Georgia teams. And Kentucky is such a well-coached team. I think it's very possible. Uh, Brock Bauer, of course, is one of the top 10 players in college and arguably it's funny to say this as a tight end that he could maybe not should but he could be in the conversation for the heisman um and you have dewan edwards is a is a running back five tds uh carson beck as the quarterback is having an okay year seven touchdowns two interceptions he's taking care of the ball um i just have a feeling like i said i was i was going back and forth between this game in uh maryland ohio state i really did want to go with Maryland. Uh, you have little Tagovailoa, Talia Tagovailoa having a great final year at Maryland. Uh, but that Buckeyes defense is just mm-hmm. too stacked. And Maryland's defense, just I think they can keep, they can kind of keep up offensively, but they just don't have the pieces on defense to keep up with the Ohio State wide receivers. 
But I do, like I said, I do think there's going to be a big upset in one of these two games. And at the end of the day, I do, I'm picking Kentucky to beat Georgia. Brett, I am very, very impressed with you. I'm very impressed. I didn't think um, that you were going to do that. I thought you were going to find a game that was closer, but a little further than the experts think um, and take the easy way out. I'm very impressed. Um, for my pick, um, I'm going to pick Florida State to win straight up against Virginia Tech at home. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. They're 23 <laughs> favorites. Um, I'm going to actually pick um, a, a team. This is actually the first time in a couple weeks um, that I've taken a team that's a favorite in this segment. Um, and I'm going to take Colorado to win on the road at Arizona State. Um, Colorado's coming to this game a four-point favorite. Um, it's a 630 game. Uh, Colorado, uh, if they would have won against either Oregon or USC, um, I think they would be 12, 13, 14-point favorites in this game. Um, I think that they're very, very mispriced because of the fact that they've lost a couple times in a row. Um, the wheels have completely fallen off the Arizona State season. Um, they had some high hopes with um, Jaden Rashada. Um, I know I liked them going into the game at Oklahoma State, um, but they've had four consecutive losses, all bit against good teams. Uh, they got shut out against Fresno State. The, the score against USC was a lot closer um, than the experts thought, and then they lost at Cal. Um, they also, after this Colorado game, as we let our um, executive snore in the background, um, I think he's now talking in his sleep. Possible. Let's listen in. Hold on. Let's do it. <laughs> um, so after after this Arizona State Colorado game, Arizona goes at Washington, home Washington State, Utah, UCLA, and then Oregon in a row. Um, so I think that Arizona State might not win a game unless they win that Arizona game at the end of the year. Um, I think they're going to play really hard because this is a game that they can win. I don't think it's a game they do win. Um, I think Colorado wins by a couple scores. Um, Shador looks good. Uh, he, I think he has a great game, and Colorado runs away with it. So just to recap, we both agree that Texas is beating Oklahoma. I picked LSU over Missouri. You picked Missouri. I picked Texas A&M, you picked Alabama. I picked Louisville, you picked Notre Dame. And for a wild card, I have Kentucky, I said in Georgia, and you have Colorado over Arizona State. Now, next segment, something I know you're looking forward to. Normally, we do the Heisman update, but I think we both agreed that there's really no changes. Everybody's kind of separating themselves from the pack. Um, it's, it's basically at this point, is, is anybody going to make it interesting and challenge Caleb Williams? Um, so instead, per your suggestion... We are going to do look and do a top five pick mock draft based off of Tankathon's draft order. Um, I am looking at that. So you have the Chicago Bears currently having the one and two picks, thanks to the trade with Carolina, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Denver Broncos, and the Minnesota Vikings. So, Jordan, I think, is it safe to say we both agree that Caleb Williams is going number one overall? Yeah, um... Yeah, um, I think it's going to be if it's the Bears, um, it's going to be where to where and what can they get for Justin Fields? Um, I think that if the Bears don't get the number one pick, 
So if the Bears have, let's say, the number two and number three pick, um, and a team like the Cardinals has the number one pick, a team like the Raiders, uh, a team like the Vikings or the Broncos, if one of those teams have the number one pick and the Bears go have like two and three, I wouldn't be surprised to see um, the Bears take like Marvin Harrison Jr. and Olu Fashanu and see if adding guys around um, Justin Fields will improve him. I think bringing in a new coach will help with that too. Um, but if the Bears have the number one pick um, or whoever has the number one pick, Caleb Williams is going to be the number one pick. Yeah, and to go with number two, I think Chicago, you just mentioned Marvin Harrison Jr. I do like that fit for Chicago. Uh, Chase Claypool was a disaster. The move was a disaster. I think everybody saw it. it, it he was living off his rookie year. The teams basically told him, stay at home. Don't even come to the facilities. They're willing to take a, a day three pick to get Chase Claypool out of their hair. Uh, that tells you all you need to know. DJ Moore's started to light it up a bit. Uh, I do like the weapons Chicago has, but they, they do lack some explosiveness outside of DJ Moore. So Marvin Harrison Jr. to me makes a lot of sense. Uh, or would you go a different way? Um, I think, again, uh, this is going to be a spot for the Bears where they're going to be it, – it's going to be interesting because you have a scenario almost like what you had with the Dolphins a couple years ago where the Bears can take Marvin Harrison Jr., or they can trade down to, let's say, I'm looking at this tankathon order. Um, you, you look at a team like the Patriots sitting at number seven, God forbid. Okay, If the Patriots or, let's say, the Jets or the Bengals or a, t- a team like that uh, will trade up to number two and leave the Bears kind of in striking distance. Remember, they did this last year and gets them another first round pick next year and a, a way to stay in the, the middle of the top 10. I think that's a, a path they take. Um, I think getting one of those offensive tackles to protect Caleb Williams, they'll find just as important. They have DJ Moore. Um, they have Darnell Mooney. They have Cole Komet. They have two okay running backs. Um, I think they see a lot of weapons. I don't think they have enough offensive linemen. Um, so that could be an option for them. But in this mock that we're doing, I think Marvin Harrison makes a lot of sense. Marvin Harrison takes them from having a decent wide receiver core um, to having a, a wide receiver core in Marvin Harrison, DJ Moore, and Darnell Mooney that can compete with any one through three receivers um, in the league. And putting that with a guy like Caleb Williams, uh, putting that with whatever you're going to get for Justin Fields, uh, if the Bears get in the position where they have the number one and number two pick, getting Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison plus trading Justin Fields uh, is as big of a boost for the franchise as you can ask for. Um, so I'll, I'll give them Marvin Harrison there. Okay. Next up is Las is the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, I think if this is a place for a quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo, you know what you're getting. He was on a two-year deal. Um, he's going to do enough to be okay. Maybe win you a couple games. They could go a couple different directions, maybe offensive line, because from what I've seen, the offensive line isn't good. Uh, I think they have some pieces on defense. They do have a lot of overdrafted pieces, but I don't think there's anything that really sticks out. And this is expected to be a really good quarterback class. We have talked about, like I said, Caleb Williams going one. We've talked about Shadur Sanders. I've mentioned J.J. McCarthy. We've talked about Mike Penix. Right now, I have the Raiders taking Drake May, the quarterback, out of North Carolina who I do think is the second-best quarterback in the draft right now. Um, North Carolina has just been 
I think is kind of underachieved from what people are expecting. So he's kind of out of sight, out of mind. Uh, but he's a guy that a lot of teams were trying to get as a grad transfer this year. But he's a Tar Heel born and born and bred. And I think for Vegas, they get that QB uh, franchise QB they've been looking for for so long. So I agree that it's going to be a quarterback. Um, I just think that when I look at the way these guys are going to test um, and the way these guys are going to interview and how the draft draft process works, um, at this moment, if the Raiders are picking this spot, I actually think there's a chance they take Quinn Ewers. Um, I think that the only thing you can say about Ewers um, is that it's his arm strength, um, that that he doesn't really get the ball down the field. Um, but I think every intangible that you're going to look for in a quarterback, and I think everything Josh McDaniels um, is going to look for in a quarterback, I love the fit of Drake May with Josh McDaniels, uh, but I think that they're going to go with Quinn Ewers, let Ewers sit for a full year behind uh, Garoppolo, let Garoppolo play, let Aiden O'Connell even be the backup again, um, and Quinn Ewers be that guy that'll sit there for a full year. Um, and then be able to take over. Um, I think there's a very good chance that when we do this again in three, four weeks that I give um, Drake May, or if it's Vegas, uh, imagine a scenario where Shador Sanders is going to the NFL and a va- or deciding whether to go to the NFL and a team from Las Vegas has an interest. Um, I think that would yeah. be an interesting, I think that would be a very interesting situation. Um, I think the name uh, to really look out for. Um, and I think the name that could fly up on uh, these boards is Cameron Ward. Um, yep. I could see Cameron Ward being a guy that tests very well. Um, but at this moment in time, I love Penix. I think he's going to be a first-round pick. I'm not sure he's 100% a fit um, here, but I think Quinn Ewers is. Um, another guy that I would watch out for is maybe Bo Nix. I think there's going to be a very, very deep quarterback draft um and i think that the raiders are going to take theirs here i mean that guy is going to be quinn ewers at this moment in time so the first uh, disagreement we have um next up is denver uh the broncos are an interesting team they did kind of get stuff turned around offensively but the defense is is fairly inconsistent let's say I keep going back and forth and looking. I'm not sure if a defensive player really fits what they're trying to do or even if Vance Joseph would be there. So with the uncertainty, from, and I don't really see any like instant impact guy that I'm like, you have to have on defense at least right now. Uh, but Garrett Bowles is going to be a free agent at the end of the year for Denver. And, getting, and there's two top offensive tackles in this draft, and I have them taking... Joe Alt out of Notre Dame. Um, it's between him and Penn State's, uh, and I'm going to mess up this name. I'm just going to say the last name, Fashanil. Uh, not even going to try the first name, sorry. But, I think it's Olu. Olu looks right. Olu yeah, Fashanil. Olu, you, uh, yeah, maybe it's just Olu. We'll just go with that. Uh, but actually, like I'm looking at his full name. Jewish people say it's Shabbat dinner. Olu Fashanil. <laughs> Yeah, but Alt and Fashanu are both having amazing years. I think last I saw Alt's given up one. I forget if it's zero sacks and one pressure or like one sack. And Fashanu's given up zero pressures all year. So these two are just playing at an amazing level. 
I think Alt is going to end up testing a little better than Fashanu. Uh, so I am having the Broncos take Alt. So it's funny. I'm I'm debating between three players, and Olu Fashanu and Joe Alt are two of those players. Um, but being that it's a Sean Payton team, um, being that it's it's a team that needs more on offense. Um, I think a sleeper pick for the Broncos, especially if they fall into that like number five, number six, number seven range. Uh, I think Brock Bowers would be a great fit for the Broncos uh, with Russell Wilson, with those receivers that they have. Um, I think he adds a different dimension. Um, so I would look out for that. Um, but here, I think that the like you said, you you got it a hundred percent right that if they're picking at four, one of these offensive linemen are going to be way too. Um, perfect uh, for their situation if they lose Garrett Bowles. Um, I know they brought in McClinchy, um, but they need more on that offensive line to protect Russell Wilson um, and to kind of get the offense that Russell Wilson's going to want. Um, just because you went Joe Alt, I'll go Olu Fashanu. Um, I think that either are interchangeable, um, but I think that Fashanu right now has slightly better tape um, and I think that that's what Peyton's going to go off of. Um, so I'll give the Broncos for Shana. Yeah. And those two are so interchangeable. Uh, like you, I don't think you can go wrong with either one of them. Um, and then finally, the last pick for tonight will be the Minnesota Vikings. They can go a number of different ways. Uh, I believe Kirk Cousins is a free agent after this year. So I think you could see them go quarterback. Honestly, right now, I think like I'm still kind of up in the air because I think Schroeder Sanders in the Kevin O'Connell offense would be really fun to watch. Uh, so that is something I am looking at. But the defense has been horrible. Like all the good breaks they had last year, they're not getting this year. Um, and with our old friend Brian Flores, what did we've talked about in the past? You need lights out corners. They are one of the only teams that that believe. Or Flores is one of the only coaches that believes that the coverage helps the pass rush more than vice versa. And this is going to be a little bit of a off-the-board pick. But I'm going to have them take Kalen King from Penn State. I've been watching him in Big Ten for a couple years. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. got all the highlights last year, understandably. But King is actually a mu- was a much better corner He's very physical. He fits what Flo wants to do. Very athletic. Can play inside and outside. And even if need be, he can occasionally play safety as well. I think getting a piece like that for the Vikings makes the most sense right now. But they're in a situation where they can go a lot of ways. And I, I, I'd agree with any of them. So I think that Kevin O'Connell is going to get his choice this offseason um, at who he wants playing quarterback for him next year. Um, but I don't think that Kirk Cousins is going to be one of those options just because I think that they need to go on a route where they pay a quarterback less of a cap figure um, so that they can add other pieces to build around a quarterback. Um, so then I start looking at Kevin O'Connell's offense and I start looking at the rookies. Um, and do you know, I'm going to give you a first round rookie quarterback that throws deep balls close to 30% of his dropbacks. Do you know who that is? Uh, would it be C.J. Stroud? Uh, no, I'm sorry. I'm talking about guys going into the league next year, so draft-eligible quarterbacks. Uh, would it be uh, Shadur Sanders? No, it would be Michael Penix from Washington. Um, I think that Penix being able to throw the ball downfield, um, being sneaky athletic, um, 
but most mostly his downfield passing ability, his vertical passing ability. I think he's such a great fit for Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison, um, TJ Hawkinson uh, there. I think that Penix will go into a perfect situation. I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings brought in a guy, let's say like Garoppolo, um, to come in for a year um, after the Raiders get rid of him and draft their quarterback a little earlier. Um, I would like to see uh, Penix sit. I think I did say that Garoppolo is going to start for a year in Vegas, uh, so I just contradicted myself. But I could see them maybe even bringing Cousins back for a year or bringing in a veteran stopgap for a year. But I think they'll quickly realize that they could start Penix from day one. Um, they will. Uh, and I think that Penix will have a successful rookie year um, surrounded by unbelievable weapons that if I'm a rookie quarterback and I'm looking at the spots that I can go, Kevin O'Connell calling my offense, Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison and KJ Osborne as my receivers. TJ Hawkinson is my tight end. Uh, they need a couple of pieces on the offensive line. They can use a running back to go with Madison, but they're in a great spot. And I think Michael Penix at five makes a lot of sense for them. Yeah, no, that's a really good pick. I didn't even, we talk about Penix all the time and I'm a huge fan of him. I didn't even think of him, but I honestly think if uh, Penix were to go to the Vikings, he'd be, even above Caleb Williams, the runaway option for offensive rookie of the year. That just seems all too perfect for him. Yeah, I think that's a perfect fit for him. And I also think that if if the draft shakes out that way and you see uh, those three guys go in the top five, I wouldn't be surprised if if um, Drake May has a little bit of a slide. I think J- Drake May is going to be one of those guys that he either goes right away, he goes in that three, four, five spot, or you see him drop into the middle of the first round. Yep. No, that's 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 an honestly good take because that's a lot like Will Levis in uh last year. And it always seems to be the one quarterback you expect to go really high, and they always end up falling. So maybe it could be Drake May this year. <coughs> Excuse me. And just to recap, you and I agree that Caleb Williams is going one. Marvin Harrison Jr. is two. I have uh, Drake May at number three. You have Quinn Ewers. I have Joe Alt at four. You have Olu Fashanu, and I have Kalen King at five. And you have Michael Penix at five. Um, now. On to the NFL picks. I know last week we said we would be done picking AFC East teams, but honestly, this is one of the only games that is kind of interesting this weekend. And it's a London game. It's Buffalo versus Jacksonville. Um, Jordan, I don't know about you. I'm tired of talking about Buffalo this week after after what they did to us last week. Um, and then Jacksonville just cannot get things going offensively. But this is the Josh Allen Bowl. You got the quarterback. Josh Allen, as we know, for the Bills, and then the edge rusher for Jacksonville, who has six sacks coming off of a three-sack game last week. Uh, Jacksonville has already been in London. They had their first London game last year. I'm just waiting for them to say they're moving to London full-time. <laughs> um, actually, I'm picking Jacksonville because this is a letdown game. The Bills just whooped a division opponent. I know we're tired of talking about it because that was us. Everything is going high for them. Everything is going right. This is, and then you're coming to London with a team that's already been there. There's the jet lag. It's it's just the traditional trap game, the lobster trap for the Wanstead fans from back in the day. I don't know if there's actually Wanstead fans, but it's something he used. Uh, but I am picking the Jags with the upset because they're all, they've been in London for two weeks now, and I feel like they will be more adjusted. So what's funny about what you said about Dave Wanstead, I, I once ran into Dave uh, in an airport, I was probably right out of college, and I run into him. Um, and I went over to him, and I said, Coach, 
I'm a huge Dolphins fan, and I'm appreciative of you being the coach of the team for as long as you were. And he looked at me, he's like, you were? I think he was surprised uh, that I actually gave him praise. So, um, Dave, if if you happen to ever listen to this, I'm one of your only fans. Um, But in this game, I'm going to actually agree with you. Um, I I think that you said it perfectly. It's a letdown spot for the Bills. Um, I think part of me is still a little salty. Um, And part of me thinks that Jacksonville um, will have a home field advantage in London, albeit as as weird as it is. Um, And I think that the Jaguars win – a game that's surprisingly low scoring. Um, I don't know what the total of the game is, but I, I assume it'll go under. Um, and I think that the Jaguars win. I think the Jaguars defense shows up. Obviously, if it goes under, their defense is going to show up. Um, I expect ETN to have a better game than he had last week in London. Um, and I think that the uh, Jaguars win by three. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the three-point win is most likely. But it feels like as bad as much struggles as they've had offensively, it feels like the Jags are starting to figure out stuff defensively. Um, but as we know ourselves, when you have such a big win, the next it's hard to get up that second week, especially when it's no longer when, especially for Buffalo, that not being a division game. Um, speaking of division games, we have one of the most heated rivalries in the NFL with the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's always nasty. Always feels like something dirty happens between these two teams. They're always trash talking. And you have two really good defenses. TJ Watt, one of the be- one of, if not the best pass rushers in the NFL. Um, and Baltimore, Kyle Hamilton as a safety is really starting to emerge. I've been really impressed with him this, lot, this season so far. Uh, you have two offenses that are kind of struggling. Yes, um, Baltimore kind of got it going last week, but they got some short fields and they were going up against a rookie fifth round quarterback with Cleveland. So I don't know how much was them, how much was a favorable situation. That being said, Pittsburgh is likely without Kenny Pickett and Pat Fryermuth. Uh, we always make fun of the Patriots offense and we always make fun of the Jets offense. Have you seen a Matt Canada offense recently, Jordan? I remember a little while ago when people wanted the Dolphins to hire Matt Canada. Um, and I'm I'm very, very glad that we didn't do that. Yeah, me too. I thought he could be – I remember when he was in college, he, he had a lot of motion and a lot of reverses to cause confusion. But, man, he has – it's been ugly. And, there, of course, now there's all the rumors about him making burner accounts to defend himself, which is always hilarious. Um, but whether you like Kenny Pickett or not – he is better than I believe Trubisky's still their backup. And Fryermuth is one of their two best options on offense. Maybe Darnell Washington gets a chance. I know a lot of people were hiring him. He was not one of my my favorite prospects this year. I think he's more way too much of a blocker, doesn't really have the receiving capabilities, even though he's being athletic. I expect this to be a really low scoring game. I'm picking the Ravens to win 13 to six. Dang, that's low. Um, yeah. I think the Ravens are going to win this game. I, I don't, I did see the Kenny Pickett said he's going to try to play. Um, I don't know if that makes a difference. Um, I think the Ravens are beginning to turn a corner. They're finally healthy. Um, those couple games that they lost, or, or I guess the, really the Colts game, that was their bad loss. Um, they weren't healthy at all. I think they were missing nine starters. I mean, in this league, that's too much to be missing. 
So uh, I think the Ravens win by a couple scores. I think they're significantly better than the Steelers. And I think the Ravens are going to um, be a team that people doubt just because they had a couple games where they didn't look good. Um, but they're better than people think. Their defense, I think right now, is the number one. Um, I saw this on uh, Fantasy Pros. They're the number one fantasy defense in the league to this point. Um, I think that'll surprise people. Um, and I think they're they're almost somehow uh, underrated, which you don't see happen really with Baltimore teams. Um, so like I said, I have Baltimore winning. Yeah, and honestly, like we, we just kind of talked about it. I, I think it's very, very tough to pick a Matt Canada offense. That kind of makes you wish you still had – you would have George Godstead as an offensive coordinator. No, it doesn't. Well, over Canada maybe. <laughs> Uh, on to one of two undefeated teams remaining, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, the Rams have really surprised me this year. It feels like everybody thought they would be pretty bad. Uh, Puka Nakua has come out of nowhere to have 39 receptions and close to 600 yards receiving. He got his first touchdown last week for the Rams, and it was a game-winning touchdown. And Tywin Williams is coming off a two-touchdown, 100-yard game for the Rams. And I know everybody was expecting him to be the number one guy for them. A shout-out to everybody who drafted Cam Akers early in fantasy. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I know everybody ex- is excited about this team. And it seems like they've found some young pieces. And Tutu Atwell also got to mention him. He's finally starting to play like the higher pick he was. Uh, that being said, the Eagles are slowly figuring it out. They're looking better and better each week. The Rams' O-line still isn't that good. They've done better than expected. I think a lot of that is because of the run game. I saw a stat that shows just even with the surprising success ever since uh, the Super Bowl, they've gotten worse. They've lost a couple players to it. And as we saw on Monday Night Football a couple weeks ago against the Bengals, when they go up against a very good pass rush, they are going to give up sacks. They're going to give up hurries. And Stafford just isn't a, isn't the mobile quarterback he once was. I think the Eagles win by 17 points at minimum. Yeah, I think that this is the easiest game we're, we're going to pick. Um, and it's unfortunately looking like we might um, kind of yeah. do one of those things again where we're picking the same teams. Um, but I think that's just the way the slate sets up. Um, I think the Eagles win this game. I think the Dolphins and the Eagles are now kind of on a crash course to the point they play each other. Um, And I think that the Rams, um, if they get cut back, which I I feel like he's going to wait another week. um, I think the Rams have overachieved to this point, Um, but I don't think that means they're ready to beat a team like the Eagles. Uh, Did you see the stat? Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but Calvin Johnson obviously has the most single season uh, receiving yards. Did you see that there were three wide receivers in the NFL right now who are all on pace to break Calvin Johnson's record? I did not. So the three receivers on pace to break Calvin Johnson's single-season record are Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, and Puka Nakua. Um, yeah, so two, of the, think, two of the three I probably would have guessed. Um, but Puka, who, like, Puka where did he come from? Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I loved him going into this year. Uh, it's funny. I have him in a lot of my little best ball leagues um, where you just pick a team and leave it. I um, mean, it was a deeper team and I took him, um, but unfortunately made the mistake that everybody makes about telling one of my friends about him. 
Um, and then my friend took him in the couple leagues that we're in together. So um, it sucks. I would love to have more action on him. Um, but Puka has been great. Um, Stafford has been pretty good. Uh, and I think that, uh, like I said, the Rams have overachieved. They're a tough, physical, very well-coached team. McVay and Raheem Morris have done a great job with them. Um, but I don't think they can beat the Eagles. I think the Eagles win by a couple scores. And then from one undefeated team to another team, as we have San Francisco 49ers against Dallas Cowboys. Um, it's the match of the week to many people. I honestly don't think it's going to be that close, Jordan. I think, one, the coaching difference is insane. Um, I know Dallas has been really good defensively, and I thank them for the uh, therapy they gave me by beating the Patriots on Sunday after the Dolphins game. But Christian McCaffrey is just on level, another level right now. Um, I think this is his best season since, what, his second year in the league. Just, just ridiculous. Nick Bosa, that defense is just every level, playing at an elite level. And Dallas still struggles too much in the red zone. And with a great running team like the Niners, who are going to do what we've done most of the year and run it in to the end zone. Once in the red zone, you got to capitalize and Dallas hasn't shown they've been able to do it. I think this is going to be at least a 10 point win for San Francisco. When I was looking at this, uh, I was looking at the, the spreads. Um, this is one of the games um, on this slate that I think is the most, if not the most mispriced game. Um, I think the 49ers should be closer to six and a half seven and a half point favorites. Um, I, I think the 49ers only giving three and a half points. I think that'll probably move closer to even five by the time the game happens Sunday night. Um, and I think that uh, you hit the nail on the head when you said that they are much better coached. Um, I think Mike McCarthy, I, I guess he, he's still around because of some of the success he's had. Um, I don't see him being one of the elite coaches in the NFL right now. Um, I think that they're running into a team that is clicking at all cylinders. The 49ers next two games after this are at Cleveland and at Minnesota, two very winnable games, um, but two games that, that are tough places to go um, at Minnesota being on Monday night. Um, so I guess it's easier to play Kirk cousins when it's not one o'clock on Sunday. Um, but those are still two games um, that San Fran is going to be in a tough spot. I think this game at Dallas is a way for San Fran to put their foot down and say that they are the best team in the league. Uh, I think San Fran wins by anywhere from 14 to 17 points. Yeah, like I, I you said, I don't think this is really going to be close. I, I think the Cowboys are always going to be overrated. I don't know why people call them America's team. It seems like they're the most hated team in America. But hey, what do I know? Um, now on to our rehab game. Miami Dolphins versus the New York Giants. Um, I believe the Giants are coming off giving up 10 sacks on Monday. It may have been 11, but I think I know for sure they gave up 10. Granted, they didn't have Andrew Thomas, who is arguably the best left tackle in the league. Uh, I saw the injury report. It didn't look like he practiced today. It does look like Saquon practiced, uh, which, if he's able to play, makes things a little interesting. Uh, Jordan, we've talked about the Giants before. I think people overrated what they were do what they did last year. It felt like they were a lot of luck. And I heard so many also Saquon carrying them, but I heard so many people talk about 
the improvement Daniel Jones made. And then when you look at your look at his stats, and I know stats don't tell the whole story, it was like Tua's second year stats. So I'm like, is this really what people are getting excited about? Um, but it's just it's just getting worse. The uh, offensive line's been awful. The, their offense is scoring 11.5 points per game and only have had five touchdowns. Even in a bad game for us, as we, we called last week, we had three touchdowns in a bad game. So we're just having a much better offensive year. And then their defense has fallen apart. They only have four sacks on a year. They have no interceptions. Kayvon uh, Thibodeau, who many thought was the best player in the draft last year, has looked really disappointing. So has Evan Neal, to be fair. Um, and yes, you can't do the draft in one year, but man, that's looking like a dud of two top five picks. Um, and the other thing to mention, even in their win against Arizona, they fell behind in each game and it took Arizona basically going into tank mode for the Giants to win. They don't really go anywhere aside from Darren Waller and Darius Slayton in the receiving game. Um, the only thing I think can make this game semi-competitive, well, two things. One is Saquon playing and being healthy. And two, if the defense continues to just mess up on the second level. Even if they do, I think it's just the discrepancy in talent is just too great for us not to win. So I am saying if Saquon doesn't play... We're winning 34 to 10. If he plays, I think he will give enough to make it 34 17. But I think we win by multiple scores. So I think that you mentioned Daniel Jones um, and kind of his struggles. I think that Daniel Jones and the story on him is a lot in line um, with what I said about Mac Jones a couple weeks ago that it's hard to properly evaluate Daniel Jones with the weapons that he currently has. Now, he's been god-awful, and I think that they're one of the worst teams in the league, and I think that that's one of the worst contracts in the league right now. Um, But I also think it's hard to properly evaluate him when he has Darius Slayton uh, and the guys he has playing there. Darren Waller's not playing well. Campbell, Jalen Hyatt. Yeah, I mean, those are all just guys. I mean... Yep. Even Wandell Robinson, who I liked a lot coming out of the draft, I mean, those are all just guys, and those aren't those are good complementary pieces. Those are good three, four, five receivers. I don't see a number one receiver there. I don't see a number one target there. Um, so I think it's hard for Daniel Jones and hard for Saquon Barkley to really show out uh, with that um, kind of like plaguing them. Um, I think that the Dolphins win this game. Uh, I think the Dolphins' offense uh, is going to really show up to play. I think only scoring um, 20 points last week, they'll take as an insult. Um, I look for the Dolphins to win 41-13, whether Saquon plays or not. So we're based on the, around the same. You have him scoring one more touchdown. And I can see it because Mike McDaniel, he kind of showed it with the Chargers game where he was tired about hearing how the chart he got outcoached. I have a feeling it's going to be a similar situation. He's going to be tired about hearing uh, how we're frauds, how he's overrated. And I think he's going to come out with an amazing game plan. But I, we both agree the Dolphins are going to recover and have a big win. And unfortunately for our listeners, 
we agreed with all the NFL picks. We both picked the Jags to upset Buffalo. We both picked the Ravens to beat the Steelers. Both picked the Eagles to beat the Rams. And we both picked the Niners to beat the Cowboys. And of course, we both picked the Dolphins. But we've talked about that before. We think we're going to be going into the Monday night game against Philadelphia as a 5-1 and one team. So that's to be expected. Yeah, I think that this is one of those weeks. Um, and I think that uh, I'm very excited to see the Dolphins play and take the field again. And like I said earlier in the episode, I'm, I'm excited to see us be able to take it out on another opponent. Um, and and kind of as we move into the episodes next week, get out of talking about our division for a little while, talk about the same teams I feel like we always talk about, and see some new yep. teams over these next couple weeks, some NFC opponents. Yep, yep, I'm ready for it too, and it should be an interesting and a very fun time for Dolphins fans. And of course, now it is time to add someone to the list. Jordan, who do you got this? this I was going to say this week, but we've already done it this week. But who do you have today? Uh, you don't have anybody? I, I thought this, couldn't I thought really this was your job today. Well, I was going back and forth. And honestly, unfortunately, it goes with... I do kind of have someone because it kind of goes with what I said on Monday and it goes to fake fans. And I hate to say it because I am entertained by him, but Miami personnel, big O, I unfortunately have to add him to the list right now because I want to see the same energy no matter what. You can't be pumping your chest out and banging your banging your chest, talking about how great we are after the Denver game. And then have a full-blown meltdown this week talking about how we're frauds and he, he overrated us and he should never have given us hope. So looking at that, yes, it's kind of a cop-out because we just did Dolphins fans. But like I said, we don't want chicken noodles in this fan base. He is a legend in South Florida sports. But I got a big O on the list right now because we need the same energy win, win lose, or draw. Especially when we're about to go on a winning streak. So, Big O, you just made the list. Wow. I think this is our first time putting a, a Dolphins personnel member um, and somebody around the team kind of that covers the team on the list. Um, as we're going to say to Big O, as we're going to say to everybody that we've put on the list at this point, uh, at the end of the season, we'll give you an opportunity to come on and defend yourselves um, and potentially get yourselves forgiven, uh, your sins paid for, um, and get you off of the list. But right now, Big O... Uh, as Brett said, as as our host said, uh, you, sir, are on the list. Welcome. Yep. And again, same energy no matter what. So we don't want bandwagoners. I know he's a lifelong Florida sports fan, so I'm not calling a Miami sports fan, so I'm not calling a bandwagoner. But we all we want that same energy, win, lose, or draw. Um, but we're about ready to wrap this up. We are getting into what is going to be a very fun part of the season. Uh, Jordan, also, I know we are working on stuff both – with the list as a brand, but also and potentially getting some guests to come on in the next couple of weeks as well to help. Uh, so the content is going to be getting bigger and better in my opinion. Yeah. I'm excited to see where we go. Um, we have some great, great people um, working behind the scenes, working hard um, people from all across the globe, really. Um, obviously uh, some people are sleeping while others are working. Um, some are snoring while people are recording. Um, but that happens from time to time. You roll with the punches. Either way, all of us are having a ton of fun doing it. And I hope the people listening at home uh, are having just as much fun as we are. Absolutely. And as always, for Jordan and Zach, my name is Brett. 
We are we well join us next week for the list. And remember, we are watching. Zach, hit that music. Bad bitch.